0: edition of the wrestling ramble on podcast i'm your host meg and introducing our producer slash step in standy co-host whatever you want to call him sideshow lunchbox
1: yeah oh you didn't know
0: So we're doing a real special, uh, a real special episode today. Um, for those of you joining us and are a little confused, we are not only is Lunchbox our producer for Wrestling Ramble on, he is also my co-host for the Creepin' It Real Horror Cast. So,
1: and I'm your husband.
0: Oh yeah, and I married him. Too. <laughs> that
1: part. on. thanks for all the accolades, but like, yeah. I'm oh yeah, actually, and, and I'm actually attached to you.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs>
1: But but no, yeah, I mean, so we do our, our own little, you know, horror movie podcast uh, every week and dropping, t- you know, random movies from all the, the good slashers and survivors and just all the really just bad, bad, bad stuff. But I mean, it's a, yeah, it's just a, a movie the, review show. The good,
0: the good, the bad, and the turkeys. And the damn! And the turkeys. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know, go back and listen to our Thanksgiving slash Thanksgiving episode. Um, oh, so, God. yes. Uh, why are we doing this, uh, you asked? Because you came to listen to either the wrestling show or the Creepin' Sh- Show. Well, there's actually a lot of crossover there. Uh, Very much so. Yeah. Uh, turns out that wrestling has a knack for pulling in horror elements, uh, not so much the other way around.
1: And the thing that I love about wrestling and, and and we're both super marks. Like I mean it's just
0: I'm a nerds nerd. Yeah,
1: we're we're nerds all around. Equal and opportunity nerding. I I always tend to like and again, I think this goes for most of you wrestling fans out there. It's like you always kinda gravitate towards those wrestlers that seemed to be like superheroes or like that were in like the costume gimmicks. And I mean, it's like we all like everyone loved Hulk Hogan because he was just the mighty man and it was mm-hmm. just like this epic thing. I always love Andre the Giant because of just he just.
0: He didn't seem real. He
1: did. There, there's yeah. nobody else that was real. And that kind of goes for, you know, all of my favorite wrestlers where they seem like supernatural powers and it's just
0: yeah in one way or another whether yeah. it was their size their strength or um their skill levels like they just didn't seem like because ordinary people don't do the things that ricochet does normal people aren't built like andre the giant yeah. I mean, it's it, they're living breathing superhero types and we we can also say that about a lot of the our marquee horror villains um jason freddie uh, Leatherface—they've all taken on these Superman, Batman levels of notoriety. Um, so there's really a lot in common between the two, although uh, I'm not hundred percent sure on what the fan overlap is between. But if you're a nerd, I, nerd,
1: I think that and, and like we're like some of the stuff that we're going to get into today follows that, where it's just like there's things where you know stuff Kane would do or you know the Undertaker would do or Mankind would do that the Joker would do or i mean you know some like random yeah. like DC or Marvel supervillain or Super you villain. would have
0: or you would have things that would come in and they would be reminiscent of a monster movie or yeah. i mean
1: it was like they were they were basically being something that was just downright evil and somebody had to like You had your like, and that's the always thing. You you have your good guy, and you have your bad guy, and the bad guys, like later on, like towards like the nineties, like towards the end of the nineties, like like, towards like the late eighties into the nineties is when they started becoming like evil supervillain status. Bad guys,
0: mm, kind of. It was more the ministry. It was more. First of all, that was in like <laughs> ninety seven, ninety eight. So, so it was, wasn't the beginning. It wasn't had nothing to do with the eighties. However, the the gimmick of the whole thing started way earlier than that. With it, it just looked different. So instead of it having that cartoon or movie sort of feel, the evil guys uh, usually with the WWWF. Um, the McMahon territory, especially, they went for the low-hanging fruit. They had the evil foreigner, where it was uh, oh, Nikolai Volkov or an Iron Sheik. Where oh,
1: so cheeky baby!
0: <laughs> where they played up this really nasty um, villain type, but it was more of like. Like I said, it was really cheap. It was low hanging fruit because it's they played to the patriotism of the audience that was very redneck at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was they were playing to the Reagan crowd. Yeah, kinda. but
1: I I think that when it became into the the horror movie status, it was in '90s. It, yeah. it was it was Undertaker. Once Undertaker showed up, the, like it was all like. I'm, in, in the grave from there. Like, not not in the grave, like, a, in, in a bad way, but it was, like...
0: No, I know what yeah. you're saying. Um, Taker did sort of break the seal on becoming a movie villain, but in the ring. Yeah. I don't... Maybe they do exist, and I just don't recall them, but I really don't... I cannot think of anybody prior to Mark Calloway debuting at Survivor Series 1990 as the Undertaker yeah. as being that supernatural evil entity he's
1: he they he's named the dead man and he buries people he's a literal undertaker and like his gimmick is putting people in coffins i was like and, and like just his persona and just how they made like they try to i mean he's a he's a ginger so it's like they had know, to de ginger him a little. Yeah, try and de ginger him, but like having him just look like sinister and stuff like that. It's like it wasn't until like later on when he started doing the eye rolling in the back of the head. Yeah, lucky, like, lucky
0: for Calloway, he ginger has the complexion to go dead real easy. Yeah. Um, but what that ended up happening is that is Undertaker, that character, especially catching on the way that it did, it opened the door for Waylon Mercy. Gold Dust, Mankind, Cain, like those really, those like movie villains to the point where Kane went on to become an actual movie villain in See No Evil. Was it See No Evil, See or no Evil or just See No Evil? I think it's just See Evil. I think it was just See No Evil. I think it was just See yeah. no Evil. So what we're going to do today is uh, Lunchbox and I jumped into doing our top five, yeah. but it's a real loose top five. Like yeah. we didn't, we couldn't think of See, yeah. the order.
1: See, I, I love lists like I love like that's a a thing that I just love doing I have a list for f- fucking everything
0: if any of you have seen High Fidelity he's John Cusack
1: I am like that like when I saw the movie I'm like it's me Like I love making compilation disc I love making yep. like it's just list for Mixed everything. Mixtapes and lists yeah so it's like <laughs> this one I thought it'd be a fun little crossover to sit there and talk about our top five horror moments in the WWE and I'm not talking like at first I was thinking, it's like, what, you know, the, those those instances where, like, people were, like, scared or something. But it's like, but those didn't really have, like, horror gimmicks. It was just heels being heels. and
0: Yeah, it, it was more just, like, some asshole, how do I scare the kids kind of thing. Yeah,
1: no, I'm talking, like, this stuff, like, the horror moments that we could pull out that would actually be in, like, a horror movie. Right. Now, the one thing, I don't know if you have him on the, on your list or not, but I'm going to x the Boogeyman. Yeah. And the only reason is because it's like, yeah, anytime like they needed somebody to be creeped out or something, yeah. Boogeyman's there. We, yeah. we know you're awesome. Thanks for you know, Thanks for yeah, playing. Yeah,
0: we know, we know, we know. And also, I'm going to go ahead and x nay the Taker Mankind Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. We know. It was terrifying to watch. And That's We're just going to, like, skip the low-hanging fruit ourselves.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um... It's
1: kind of like when... when Like, for me, it's <laughs> like whenever somebody says, like, okay, it's like, oh, let's list your top five uh, Slayer songs, but Rain and Blood, we already know, is on there, so... Skip it. And, and, yeah, Angel of Death, skip
0: it. Right. Go to your next right, top right. five. We know. Yeah. We know. With Metallica, the Black Album's always number one. Let's <laughs> m- remove it.
1: Well, see, I always... You know, Red lighting, but... What, I know you what, like their trashy
0: stuff.
1: I know. Yeah. Um, so that was things like I wanted to kind of go in, and yeah, the Hell in the Cell like that is actually one of my, that is my favorite wrestling match of all, like uh, of all time. But Man. it wasn't
0: really a wrestling match. No, but it was it was, it was it a, was a massacre. massacre. It was a car crash. You can't even call it a wrestling match. That was a mess. But it,
1: it just like extended out because like Mick Foley gets fucking thrown off of the goddamn cell. Mar- like Undertaker's like Undertaker just like, holy shit! Like I just did that, and then like, hey man, you dead? But the thing was like, so then he like throws him through the the like it's like it Mick Foley should not be alive, and yet later on he comes down the ring and like continues to wrestle like like an he, hour yeah, or so he later he did a
0: run in on someone else's it was just
1: like how yeah. like and the, and even the announcers are like how is he walking? Yeah. and but it was like a genuine like. What is he doing? Yeah. Like, what?
0: it was real confusion, real concern. Yeah, we know it was a horrific thing. Yeah. So, um, but, these,
1: but these are our top five favorite kind of. And uh, really,
0: in no particular order.
1: I tried to put mine in order, but it was I'm toughy. like, it, it just didn't work out. So I, I
0: kind of ballparked mine. In, yeah. I think I did mine more in order in terms of order of importance than actual like scariness.
1: Oh, I, see, I did mine that way. Oh, mine! because mine
0: are all pretty scary. N- I just was trying to figure out: is it should I rank it that way, or should I rank it in terms of like how important was the thing?
1: I have no idea. Like, uh, uh, my you wing it. My, mine started off as like I'm gonna do like my my one two three four five, and then I got into this thing where I'm like I started like into a flow about how I would talk. Like I like I have segues onto my my top five. Do you write like,
0: yourself a script? I I, would... I am a
1: professional here, Meg.
0: Oh, I <laughs> I just made my list.
1: No, I have like I have dates and times. Oh, no, I just like, made yeah, my list. Like I am, I am
0: nerd. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so,
0: all right, nerd, crack open your Voodoo um, Ranger IPA. All right,
1: so let's give our uh, Stone Cold salute and.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Juicy haze. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Goes down smooth.
1: Uh, I fucking love this beer. Like, I'm drinking the the Voodoo Ranger IPA, the Juicy Haze. Juicy. It's just fun to say. Because it's juicy. Yo, beer me a Juicy Haze.
0: Right. I've been All watching
1: right. a lot of The Office. So. All
0: right, so you want a Rochambeau for who goes first, or? No, because...
1: <laughs> no, because nuts always win.
0: <laughs> nuts go first. Yeah. All right, well, nuts, you can go first. Okay,
1: so I wanted to start off with... Person, like so, a lot of your horror uh, characters are. We're gonna have a lot of the same. I don't know ones. about that. no no, I'm saying, but oh, like
0: characters, yeah,
1: for characters. Um, so I mean, it's like you only have like a handful, and and you mentioned, I think all of them just at the beginning of the show. Sorry, um, but oh no, no, it's fine. Okay, but my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call this my number five. Like, so this sure. is my, this is my bottom, my. One of my favorite new acts is Bray Wyatt. So Bray Wyatt, like on a whole, everything that he's done since he's hit the WWE, I have been a fan of.
0: Mine is Husky Harris.
1: I actually enjoyed the Husky Harris thing because I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Like the name is like to sit there and and go, I'm Husky Harris and I'm coming for you. A what? Excuse me? A squeezing powder? Like, uh uh-huh. Like, it doesn't seem threatening to sit there and go, I'm Husky Harris. Unless you were doing, like, a hacksaw Jim Duggan.
0: But even that wasn't threatening.
1: No. But, like, I mean, it was threatening to a degree because it's like, oh, my God, he's got a fucking two by four. And he's just coming at you with this, oh. And it's I mean, like it's
0: scary for other reasons. Yeah,
1: but it, it's not like, yeah, to hear Husky Harris is coming for your title, eh, I think I'll, I'll be okay.
0: Right, but since... Bray Wyatt became Bray Wyatt in NXT in 2012-13 and then moving up to his 20, 2013 debut on the main roster, we get those opening vignettes uh for like 6 weeks leading into his oh my debut. Oh,
1: it's so good. They were
0: like a minute here, 45 seconds there, just but like little bites of the cult leader of what he and just
1: unsettling uh, like little the, the vignette like it, because I remember like with like the NWO and it was just so different with the black and white and stuff like that. And everyone loves that stuff like wrestling legends. Great. But the Bray Wyatt stuff, like when you saw those, it was almost like weird, like subliminal message things. And then you see him in his Hawaiian shirt and you know,
0: it started as riffing on what they did in the early mid nineties with, um, I think it was like ninety. or 95 with Waylon Mercy which was a character that never really caught on I think it was it was way before its time it was probably almost it was 20 years too early was the problem because when Bray Wyatt came in and did uh somehow managed to do a darker version of the cult leader thing it was more unsettling and he spoke in an, like a really nonsensical way, like you really had to pay attention to what he was saying. His his what he said was nonsensical, but he said it with such such conviction that it was really scary.
1: Yeah, it's like this and guy really believes it, his it, own shit. It had this like that essence of like a Jake the Snake, where it was like he wasn't yelling or he wasn't getting. But he was preaching. It, yeah, he, he was. It was very much like that, like that, uh, uh, that Manson kind of esque thing, where it's just like I'm. I I believe everything that I am, and it's like you're gonna believe everything that I am. You're coming along with me, and and then all of a sudden, like so, that was scary on its own. But then to see him bring in these two hillbillies is basically what they were. I mean, they like one was in like a big jumpsuit, and the other one was just wearing and, like a tank dirty. top and dirty tank top, and uh, and jeans and big big beards and it was just like yeah was, he
0: had the intimidation factor and he had Eric Rowan in the sheep mask was and, really unsettling yeah and like that um, that was the thing.
1: as that gimmick was going along then like uh, he also had like the one of the coolest little stupid things is that lantern like that lantern it like really set off like a whole thing cuz he would they would shut the lights down and he would come out with the lantern yeah and then, like, all of a sudden, everyone started pulling out their, their the phone lights. And then, all of a sudden, everyone became Fireflies. I was like, coolest fucking gimmick because the WWE didn't have to set that up. The fans did that. Yeah,
0: and it happened naturally, which is always the best part. However, yeah. um, two, a couple years into that, I want to say two, between two and three years into it, uh, the Bray Wyatt character started getting bungled real bad. Yeah. He... Would talk and talk and talk and be super threatening and so they would ramp up the fan base to be like this guy's really a threat but every single feud he had he's like he lost i'm so threatening i'm so terrible i'm coming to get you and he would he could never deliver he always lost the big one and after a couple years of that where you know he goes through maybe a half dozen feuds eventually as a fan you're sitting there going yeah all
1: right bray keep talking yeah like his the the threat level doesn't really hold up I mean I remember like when the shield uh f- like really arrived on wwe like they it became this thing where it's like ho- like holy shit like these guys are gonna just, just start fucking things up mm-hmm. same thing with Bray Wyatt it's like every time like you heard that like that music that that and, the lights that, dun, out. Dun, and then it's just like oh no like Bray Wyatt's here. It was, gr- it was After crazy. After a while, it was
0: like, but okay, then, cool, Bray Wyatt's here, but... But
1: then you get, like, the big pay-per-view, and you're just like, okay, I already know the other guy's going over.
0: Yeah. And it's like... The expectations were low.
1: So, that was the only thing that, like... But I still, as a fan, loved the Bray Wyatt character, just because... It was very different. Like, it, and again, I love like just a big dude in a Hawaii, like the Hawaiian shirt. Like, it just—it was a
0: fun look. He had the, yeah. the straw hat and everything else. It was great. Uh, fast forward to 2018, uh, midway through 2018, Bray Wyatt gets injured. Yeah. And uh, disappears. Um, I don't remember if he had to have a surgery or something, but he was hurt bad enough that he was out for about nine months, eight or nine months.
1: It was a while. Like we didn't see him.
0: Yeah. It was it was most of the year um he was gone and then uh last towards the end of last spring, I don't think it would say May maybe, we start seeing these weirdo vignettes start popping up where it's like it was really simple stuff, like there was a buzzer in a box, and it was about thirty seconds of that, and then nothing.
1: And there was like it was like really like shitty production style. Yeah, it and, was and, and, dark,
0: it wasn't lit well, yeah. it was it was just sort of like a buzzard puppet. It was very clearly a buzzard. It wasn't made to look good. And it, it like and that was the thing was
1: like, but as a as a fan watching the WWE, it's like you you have this this expectation that, okay, well they're gonna do something. It's like they're gonna spend some money on it. And it's for, like not to have like a shitty hand puppet. It's like what are you but doing? For
0: weeks, they were teasing a thing, and um, John and I were recording one night and. He happened to jump on his laptop, and I think if you go back in the archives to last spring when it started happening, I think it was May, it might have been April. But uh, last spring, he opened up, uh, he got on either Twitter or www.com, and he saw this video pop up of the buzzer in a box. And he, both of us were like, what the fuck am I looking at? Is that a sock puppet? What is this? But for like, I don't know, five or six weeks, they would introduce like a new puppet, or there would be a new thing, or it would be very dark, but there were these really odd little quick clips. And then over this, uh, towards the beginning of the summer last year, we get the Firefly Funhouse. It's the return of Bray Wyatt. New, improved, he's lost some weight, he's trimmed the beard back, he's colored his hair, um, he's dressing different, he's speaking different, he's trying to do sort of like a blues clues kind of thing. Like, um, Which is super is, creepy. Like,
1: I at first i I was like, when I first saw the gimmick, I was just like, "What the fuck are they doing?" It's like they went from from Bray Wyatt to this. As like I, was like I, I, was like, I didn't understand, like, and I'm talking like this is like for like the first like thirty thirty to forty seconds, and then when I saw Bray actually doing. His
0: like
1: the let me in. Yeah. Oh well, no. Like well, like that. Like leading up to that, I was just like, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Like this doesn't make sense. And then all of a sudden, like as like I kept watching him, I was just like, nope, this makes sense. I I like this. This is fine.
0: They hooked you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It it, like, it hooked because it was funny, and it was like Embrace just being like doing the like as you said, Blues Clues. Yeah. Or, it's like hi guys. Like it's like oh gee We're go gonna figure out Blues
0: Clues. Yeah. Like.
1: So and then all of a sudden like then right when he did the let me in he
0: would get really dark at the end Oh
1: my god I was like I love it I was like But that wasn't hammock. even
0: that wasn't even the best part about it like the lead it was weird he still had that culty that cult leader part of it they just were going about it a different way because they were targeting kids creepy. Yeah. Um that just targeting kids is creepy. And then we are introduced to a, a few weeks goes by and we're introduced to the fiend.
1: Yeah. And that's where because he keeps mentioning that oh he like he is coming. And it like and, and it's braid you know like like he'll do the he'll, like the the let me in. And he, and, he's, and he and like he gives that like dead-eyed stare into the camera. The camera kind of pans in a little bit. The music gets really sinister and then he goes right back into all right, bye guys. And he's like, bye. Like, and he's like giving like the goofy wave. And then it's just like, but he just keeps like, like he's coming. It's like he's coming next week. And it's just like, who's he? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like they would do like the weird like Bray Wyatt flashes, and you could see the fiend face, and it's like this creepy Joker yeah smile. Like it's
0: designed and executed by the one and only Tom Savini and his is. and his mustache. <laughs> so. So the Bray Wyatt character has taken a really sinister evolution. Um, they do a lot to play with the horror visuals where um, not only is it the look of the character himself, but like most of his big matches, he's had to wrestle under a red light or he does a lot of uh, coming up, up from out from under the ring. Yeah. Um, well, he a couple months ago he did the Daniel Bryan angle where he drags him basically drags him to hell and starts ripping, quote unquote, his hair out of his yeah. head.
1: Now, uh, the the red light thing. I've heard you and John and Justine talk about this ferociously where it's like you guys absolutely hate the red light.
0: Hurts my eyes. See, the thing
1: is I actually don't mind it because what I I enjoyed it because it was something different. It's something that you don't see all the time on, uh, you know, like, with WWE at all. And so, sure. for the, like, for the Fiend character, it's, like, it's, you know, like, where you're like, oh, like, it, it hurts my eyes to watch the match and stuff like that. I'm like, the Fiend doesn't really... It's not supposed to make you feel comfortable. Like, it's not supposed to make you feel like...
0: No, but if I'd rather shut the match off than end up with a migraine, yes, that's I, a problem. Like, I totally
1: understand that. But as far as, like, the Fiend and, like, all this stuff goes, I was like, I... I had no problem with it. I guess, like, everyone was siding, you know, with the way you guys were thinking because I guess WWE has, has gone, went ahead and done away with the red light. Good. But it's not the first time that they did the red light gimmick. Um, like, Kane used to do it. Um,
0: but he wouldn't wrestle under no. it. He
1: did, he did a couple times.
0: Okay, that's yeah. really, but, it, but way it's way, but
1: beginning. yeah, like, but it's probably one of those things where it's like, Same. it just doesn't work, and it's just like, and it, you can't
0: really see what's going on, and yeah. it's really hard to see who's doing what. It's just, it doesn't work yeah. well for TV. I don't so, know what it's like live, but for TV, so no.
1: like, the one thing that I am loving about The Fiend is not only is the amazing fire uh, Firefly Funhouse uh, spots like when. When you have a wrestler that's in the ring, and you hear that kitty like music just hit, yeah, and you know that Bray Wyatt's gonna jump Please up on the.
0: it's a friendship that never ever ends. Yeah, it's like,
1: <laughs> how fucking like, just... and just the
0: goofy faces like, hi kids. Yeah, what's up?
1: Like yowie, wowie, like. I love saying that. And it's like our, our our little three-year-old daughter will run around the house going yowie wowie and It's amazing. But like... Uh, Good
0: parenting. We're oh, great yeah. parents. We're great parents. We're amazing parents. Awesome.
1: <laughs> so, but there was the the, the the fun thing with like... So, he leads in with all that. And then like with the, the let me in is the thing that like really like sinks in. Because it's like... It's just like I'm being like really goofy. But it's like nope. I'm br- like... You're coming with me. Sure. And but then like the whole thing with the fiend, it's like it's not only it's it's Bray Wyatt and the fiend, like they're two separate mm-hmm. people. And I was like, that's a cool little gimmick on its own. Um, I mean, the, you know, Mick Foley's done it and you know, Mick
0: Foley did it. Um, as long as they don't go the way of Mick Foley, it should be no, fine. Uh, I, cause Foley got watered down pretty bad cause it was a constant switching back yeah, and forth between everybody. But
1: it's like, I like that they, they have that where there is a, a separation, uh, for in Bray Wyatt's head. But, um, the thing that I love is that they're actually doing what, Bray Wyatt starting out should have done Bray Wyatt is like the fiend is unstoppable like and it's a threatening thing where it's like anybody that like goes up against him like he he is just an unstoppable force and it's like
0: and it's scary like you see and again we're you know we're in our 30s but seeing Miz and Daniel Bryan especially because of who they are go up against the fiend it's like I don't
1: know if they're going to come out on the other side of this one. Yeah, I mean, like, so one of my, like, I got a, a bunch of favorite, like, Fiend moments, but one of the the most recent was at the um, uh, Royal Rumble um, contract signing with Daniel Bryan. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Holy shit. Like, as, as as far as, like, for horror moments goes, so Daniel Bryan is, like, he's tired of the fiend. Running away, like he'll run down the you know the hole in the mat and stuff like that, and he ends up like he's like, well, how am I gonna get away with you know keeping him in front of me? I'm gonna do a strap match, and so he wants like he's and
0: I winced as soon as I heard that because I've seen a bunch and I'm like, Ugh, yeah, no one wins than those, no. nobody.
1: And so I'm like, when I think about it, it's like okay, you have the fiend and Daniel Bryan that are gonna be strapped together with a leather strap it's like this isn't going to be good so then the firefly the, the the fun house music hits and then he's just like like <laughs> bray Wyatt's trying to fax like he's got a, a shitty fax machine he's trying to fax it to, to daniel he's like i don't know it's not it's not working it's just keeps jamming it's just like you know whatever he's like you know what but i don't think it should be me yeah that's sh- that should be signing that contract I think he should do it. And all of a sudden, boom, lights hit. And all of a sudden, like, uh, the red lights come up and the Fiend's standing in the, you know, the center of the ring right in front of Daniel. And it's it like, but he just pops in there. Like, it's just like.
0: Yeah, like he'd been hiding under the ring or something and then just yeah. runs in. Yeah, I was in. like, it's yeah.
1: such a cool little gimmick. Is It's as easy as it is, but it's just like he just shows up and boom, there he is.
0: The, you know he's getting really good with his cues because that's the only way you can hit that.
1: Yeah, and he's, like, and he's like standing up and he's going through, but the, the killer thing about that signing was, like, so he ends up beating the shit and whipping the hell out of Daniel Bryan, ripping his shirt and kind of giving, like, a taste of what's to come for Royal Rumble. But then he goes over to sign the contract and he stabs his own hand and then signs the contract. Like, he just smears blood all over the contract. And then disappears again like the lights flick on and the, the fiend is gone I'm like that is some metal shit like that yeah. that's like I mean it, it's it, I mean, again it's he didn't really stab his own hand but it's still it's like what a cool image yeah but like, under the
0: red light it, was, it, it brutal
1: uh, yeah it's brutal I don't, I don't know anybody that's ever signed a contract in blood I was like that's pretty epic uh
0: so my number five <laughs> uh do you remember the funeral parlor sketches yes uh I guess anybody who's anybody in the WWE has had their own talk show, including Paul Bearer and The Undertaker. Oh, yes! Uh, One in particular I'm thinking of, probably the most infamous one, is uh, Taker was challenging Warrior, I think for the title, uh, at one of the upcoming big events. And, um, you know, Warrior's doing his rambling Warrior thing. And uh, Taker takes him out. Seals him in what they're calling an airtight casket that nobody can get into. They have like all the crew coming up with their gimmicked drills and saws yeah. and hammers and stuff, and they can't get Warrior out. And you can just hear Warrior screaming from inside the casket. And Paul Bear is being Paul Bear, yeah. And um, Taker was just sort of standing there looking scary. Uh, the funeral parlor sketches were depending on the. The mood, Paul Bearer made them funny, Um, but Taker himself made them pretty sinister. I have very vivid memories of the first, the first casket match that I had seen Taker in um, when, oh gosh, I think it was, it was Yokozuna. He was doing the double wide, double deep casket.
1: (laughs) I was like, damn, that is a casket.
0: That is a serious. Damn. He was a big boy. Yokozuna was a big boy. Um, but he was building the casket. And I remember the lead up to that Royal Rumble um, for several weeks, we would see Taker, he'd be planing the wood and he'd be measuring and cutting. And it was
1: such a cool little thing as, as far as like for a fan to sit there and, and like to see, it was like, I'm building you this box. Right, like, and it was that's creepy
0: cool. and it was scary. Um, the, I mean, the casket match in general is something straight out of a horror movie. The only way to beat your opponent is to get him in the casket and slam the lid shut. Yeah. you serious right now? Like, that's nuts. Um, But to watch, like, if it were to walk in Yokozuna's shoes a little bit, it's kind of like, you're watching a man build your coffin. Like, everything about that is creepy and dark and wrong and, like, just using that as the lead-in. To hook the fans to buy the Royal Rumble that year. It was a yeah. mind blower and, and it was humongous. And when they he was don't done. do
1: that stuff anymore where because no. it's like now now it's like you get the same match for every single week for like a month leading up to the like so you get those two guys and they keep having matches together and it's just like or some the, variation
0: the, of it. It might be a tag team. It yeah, might be a six-man tag. But yeah,
1: but it's like, but for that vignette with you know Yokozuna, it's like, Taker never had a match with Yoko. It was just like...
0: No. Mm, may, not on TV anyway. Maybe at the live events, may, but...
1: Maybe, but, but it was still one of those things where it's like, the fans never saw it, and then it was no, like...
0: all the build-up was done through the video vignette. segments. And so they... So good. In like, 91, 92-ish... Um, was really when they were doing the funeral parlor, parlor segments and that was when they would get under kind of like Ms. TV where they would do like Taker's opponent of the week um or you know whoever that he was feuding he's... with at the time awesome. Sure.
1: awesome sorry exactly. i have to do it
0: he can't play uh <laughs> can't. but the 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 whole concept of of what they were doing on the funeral parlor coupled with Take her in those early years really leaning into that whole, like, old Wild West mortician thing that he had going for him um, was genuinely unnerving for me as a kid. And uh, that was 25 years ago. Nope, more than that. 1995. Yes. So 25 years ago. Uh, Rumble 95. And... I was nine years old, and it is still seared in my brain. Yeah. So uh, that that is that's horror movie for you, yeah, man. That's
1: pretty good. Now uh, I want to continue on. I'm going to segue. There it is. There's my segue. If I'm, you have to
0: talk about it, it's a bad segue. <laughs>
1: I'm just riding nerdy.
0: Um, He's. You're a mall cop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but my next one, uh, it's going to lead in, uh it's i called it taker messes with diesel
0: mm.
1: so diesel is having a match and it was on uh let me see where did i write my notes and oh, it was edit, it edit. was
0: um for Mania 96 no wasn't
1: it no okay so uh yeah i i i have, it's i call it the undertaker torments diesel so on uh, Monday Night Raw for March eighteenth, nineteen ninety six. For any of you people who have the WWE network, for yeah. nine ninety nine.
0: I think it was the Go Home Show for WrestleMania that year.
1: Yes, uh, it was it was it was kind of the lead up. So at this point, Diesel and uh, Taker are feuding, and Taker continuously. Uh, Diesel had
0: the title, by
1: the way. Yeah, uh, he like he's just messing around with them and just tormenting him. Well, Diesel is actually having a match with uh, Barry Horowitz and just dominating as Diesel does. Somehow,
0: Barry Horowitz was, um... oh shit, Chinless Wonder. I just forgot his name. (gasps) Anyway, he was popular. He was a... And he has been No, no, somehow. no! Don't
1: no. I want James Ellsworth. I, I was like, I was like, want to hear that. <laughs> he
0: was my brain fart. He was James Ellsworth before James Ellsworth. I was like, we are not continuing thing. until nope. I figure
1: out who the chinless wonder is. <laughs> like, <laughs> nope. Uh, yes, James. All right. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Ellsworth.
0: Yes. Yeah. Barry Horowitz was the uh, James Ellsworth of the nineties. Go
1: on. Okay, so uh, Diesel is having the match with him, and I think towards the middle of the match, Paul Bearer starts to just wheel down a casket and just like he he walks in. He doesn't acknowledge Diesel. Diesel's looking at him and he's just kind of like freaking out because he's like, oh, is Taker going to, you know, like where's Taker? And he can't really focus on Barry. And then Barry starts to kind of get a little bit of a one up on him. And then Paul just walks the casket in, leaves it right by the ring and then walks his happy ass right on down, and, yep. he and,
0: and, deli- and he just leaves. He was just the dark UPS guy.
1: So it all So then afterwards, like Diesel, you know, hits you know Barry with the big boot. Barry goes down. Hits him with the one, two, three, and then like really quick, uh, Diesel like runs up, like he runs over to the timekeeper's area and grabs a wrench, and. Was, Are you
0: sure it wasn't the hammer? No, the it, it was a
1: wrench. Okay. Like it was, it was, a, it was. Some a,
0: road, some roadie was probably screaming, "Hey man, don't touch my shit!"
1: Yeah, it's like okay. So he grabs a wrench and then he goes because he's gonna open up the casket because he thinks someone like Taker's gonna be inside, and he like there's a really good build up, really good build up. But then he opens the casket up, and it's just this plastic sheet, and then he removes it, and it's a like a wax figure of. Diesel. It was.
0: It looked so good. It
1: was the best wax figure I've ever seen in my because life. Because they did a
0: close-up on the face of it, too. Yeah. It looked amazing.
1: It looked like him. Like, I, for a split second, I thought maybe that somehow they did, like, some type of, like, film editing. But it's like, uh, no, that's all live. No, because
0: they were all in the same shot together at one point. Yeah.
1: And it's, like, it, it, it's a shot yeah. of him. And This I, is and
0: Monday Night Raw. It's not a pre-tape.
1: No. And so that's where it, like, it freaked him out because he's like, I'm looking at myself. And so, then he shuts the casket real quick, and then like runs out. But it's like you could tell, like he's trying to do like I'm a, I'm a big tough guy. That didn't that didn't bother me. But you could tell, like he's actually like kind of shaken, you know, character wise by it. Mm-hmm. But then later on, it leads up into uh, one of my other kind of segues where it you know your typical thing where, as we mentioned, being pulled from into the ring. So, uh Diesel is having a match with Bret Hart. It's a uh, not a hell in the cell, but it's just a, you know, cage match. Cage yeah. match. So, Bret is trying to leave and uh, you know, like he's actually climbing over the cage and at this point, uh Diesel is actually trying to go through the doorway. Mm-hmm. And he's going through the ropes and all of a sudden out of nowhere, Taker just pops up from the hole in the, the mat. Grabs, grabs Diesel and just starts to drag him down and when he actually gets down like uh, under the ring you see like the big cloud of smoke come up from the, the the hole in the ring and then Brett jumps over and wins the match but it was like that kind of like sets up that whole thing but it's still that, that whole terrifying thing of like I'm dragging you down and that
0: Taker Diesel feud was great um, yeah. there was one where I want to say it was a Raw Somebody Night Raw where Taker's for weeks he'd been fucking with Diesel or he was just starting to fuck with Diesel cuz it was I think right after the Royal Rumble um there was one where uh Taker was fucking with him and Diesel was walking away and he was shouting I'm not a, I ain't scared of the dark I'm not afraid of the dark like I think he was trying to convince himself more than anything else yeah. that whole feud uh Diesel Taker even though the payoff wasn't spectacular at, at Mania that year it was really neat to watch. Yeah. They're pretty really matched in terms of size. Um, and it was a really cool meeting of the characters because Diesel, big daddy cool, you know, he's level headed, kind of, you know, tough guy, can handle anything thrown at him. And Taker's like, oh yeah, hold my beer. Yeah. Well, so. well, that leads me into my number four. Um, I. I feel like we probably should have just left, said Undertaker was low hanging fruit as well, but whatever. He, I, to, I
1: told you early on, it's like a lot of the, like our typical stuff's going to have a lot of the.
0: I know, Undertaker. Yeah. Mystery of Darkness, uh, full stop. It was um, Undertaker's uh, faction in the late 90s. It was him, the Acolytes, uh, Midian, um, I'm trying to remember if Kane was in there at one point or another. Um, he had the the brood was uh, with them for a cup of coffee, um, and then come to find out, it's been it was teased for like three weeks, but it's like the the actual leader of the ministry was Vince McMahon, and I'm like, ugh, way to take the bloom off that right Yeah, they
1: they that kind of killed the whole gimmick. Because... However,
0: it was like. He took like Aleister Crowley, Anton LaVey, that sort of vibe, and turned it up to eleven, and he made it really dark and creepy, and people were being crucified, and yeah.
1: which is one of my my was top that your moments. Three? Uh, it's it's yeah, my number three, and it's like that okay, was, so oh, my no, number four have, and your number three, because well, I have Bray Wyatt, the Diesel. Yeah, this so, would be your number three. So, Three.
0: So my four and your three blend together. So, yeah. so the... Yeah, the whole thing... Um, it was like satanic cults. Uh, Taker had the robe. Um, he had a whole look to him. He had colored his hair super... It was black black. Like shoe black. He colored his... He had done like the Van Dyke beard. Colored that super black. Um...
1: And I think at this point, too, he dropped the, the purple gloves for the it was MMA all, gloves. It was
0: all black everything. He yeah. brought the, he was wearing the MMA gloves, which is great because I felt like if I were him, those, the purple gloves and the gray gloves, gloves from before, that would have driven me crazy because he was constantly adjusting them in the ring. I'm like, ugh. I'd be like, get them off. I don't want to wear them anymore. But, hey, more power to him. He wore them like, for like eight years. Yeah. Um, the...
1: And those boots.
0: Yeah. Was, but no, this one, like... With he, a stocking cover? He kind of
1: took, like, that... That Hellraiser, yeah. like... Um, like, for his, like, actual, like, wrestling gimmick. Uh, like, for the attire. For
0: the ministry?
1: For the ministry, yeah. yeah. And then, like, it was a little bit more, um, like, industrial. Yeah. I guess it was. But then, like, when he was doing, like, his ministry leader yeah. thing, it was, like you said, he was, like, the big, you know, priest robes. And yeah, the, it was
0: very... Um, there was like some druid elements in there. There was like satanic cult elements in there. Like it was very I mean, dark and heavy. I mean, Everything was heavy. Yeah. Um, Paul Bear
1: was carrying around the, this big book of evil. Like yeah. it was like spe- evil it was spells. Some and... weird necronomicon
0: yeah. for the ministry. Um, the acolytes were painting runes or something on their, not runes, but they were like just weird symbols on their chests. This is, you know, a couple of years before becoming the APA, which was awesome.
1: Oh my God, yeah.
0: (laughs) Best run ever uh, for a tag team. But they, so he had this whole ministry around him and he took Steve Austin and was going to bomb him alive. He crucified Stephanie McMahon. He crucified Midian. He, uh, they brought in Viscera um, for a bit uh, to be like the heavy, but he had done the white. Like everything about it was very industrial gothic dark horror it was it was so much of that like it was really and there was actually like a
1: feeling like anytime like taker showed up on screen and he they like they started doing like a ministry uh you know vignette or or skit or you know like something in the ring yeah it's like it actually had that like as you said a heaviness to it yeah you feel
0: it in your belly a little bit
1: that's heavy doc is there
0: something wrong with the gravitational pull in your time um. So, so the, but yeah, you could feel it in your belly a little bit that. And and I think that's why that worked so well and why, you could, like you've seen it in horror movies. We saw it in um, like The Wicker Man, where it's just this evil culty kind of thing with this very charismatic yeah. leader. Um, it had that sort of vibe to it.
1: Yeah, I, I, and as you mentioned, like the the crucifix uh gimmicks that he, that he did like i as a kid remember seeing that and was like blown away that they would do that because at first like the one of the earlier i think it was i believe it was an earlier one um was uh the big boss man uh-huh. so they were uh, the big boss man was like kind of dropped his cop gimmick for his SWAT team... uh,
0: Well, because he had gone to... He had left WWF. He went over to WCW for a couple of years when, you know, Turner had the checkbook open. Um, He was Big Bubba over there for a bit, and he kind of carried a bit of the Big Bubba gimmick over back to the WWE, because he was all dressed in black over at WCW. They just turned him into, like, a SWAT team. I don't know why he was still a cop. Whatever. Yeah, it's like just...
1: But anyway, so like he went to the big boss man and uh, he was a heavy for uh, Vince McMahon and, um, and and the corporate the corporation, wherever. So at, at the time, uh, Taker and Vince were feuding. and so there was a, a, a little segment where the ministry are like in this like parking garage, and they basically kidnap the big boss man. They put him up on a crucifix and then light his ass on fire. I was like, that's epic. Like that's crazy. It was shit. the wicker man. Yeah. So I was like that that's really cool. But it's like you could see like Taker with his arms out out wide and he's just kind of like signaling like like here like like just like bathe him in flames kind of thing. Yeah. It was is Beautiful horror epic. In-
0: horror imagery. Yeah. Um, but a lot of my that.
1: favorite though. My absolute favorite was the segment on it was on Monday Night Raw. And it was uh, Taker kidnaps Stephanie. Mm-hmm. That one actually held more of a horror movie moment for me because of the way Stephanie was selling it. Mm-hmm. Because she was like. Legitimately terrified. Because no, mind
0: you, this is like a twenty-four-year-old Stephanie McMahon. Like she, she's all she's still baby face, and yeah. chubby-cheeked,
1: and like, and I, I mean, I love Stephanie, and it's like, it's, it's no matter what she like, they any renditions, but it's like she's always great. But she's it's really like,
0: good at what she does. Man.
1: She's, she's fantastic. I mean, the whole Triple H, they're all great. Like, well, it's, that's yeah. the
0: thing about that segment uh, with her being. Uh, put up on the undertaker cross and it was uh, undertaker undertaker paul bearer was the officiant to the dark wedding well and that and
1: that was the thing was like so taker wanted to marry stephanie because he thought that be, since her father is the man that owns the company that if there's an unholy union that Taker would then be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, what a crazy-ass gimmick.
0: Oh, and Stephanie sold it. She was screaming her head off. But what the best part about that was is, you know, over the next several... uh, Steve Austin does a run and saves her. Over the next several weeks, though, we get the reveal that Vince McMahon was behind the whole thing, and then we start leading into the Stephanie Triple H stuff. So that actually was this weird crossroads for Stephanie McMahon because that's when she would get, shortly after that is when she would get paired up with the man she's still married to today. So it's such a weird thing that happened. It was
1: was very weird. And I kind of, I did not like the whole Vince being like, it was me. And it's like, well, then why why would you go through this whole thing of like, it it just seemed like it was like, you just went through a lot of extra work for nothing. And it's like, and it, that, that didn't really fall through. But during that scene where they crucify Stephanie and they're carrying her down the, the ramp. And again, you got Paul Bear at the, at the helm. You got you know Viscera and all those guys just carrying her down. And she's screaming the whole time. And no one's helping her. Nope. And it's just there. Until Austin but
0: does the then run at the when end. But
1: they, they, they drop her on the top rope and she just... Like, just sitting there, just dangling. I was like, that's... It's such a creepy thing. Yeah, it
0: was... It was a really good visual. It was an excellent segment. But I feel like they didn't know how to wrap up that storyline. So they were just like, uh, uh, Vince did it.
1: But I love... But the whole Stone Cold thing, too. Because it's like, he comes in to save her. And then when she... Like, he, he gets her off the cross and... She goes and gives him this, like, big hug. He just, like, keeps his arms out. He's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) Like, because, like, Stone Cold at this point is, like, in, like, fuck you, Vince mode. And it's just, like, so he knows that I didn't do this to, like getting, you know, a thing out of, like, he's like, I'm still, like, I'm still mad at Vince. Like, yeah. I just did this because, She you doesn't know, deserve yeah, it. Yeah, no one deserves that. And then, like, Vince comes down and tries to shake Stone Cold's hand and. Stone
0: Cold's like, uh, no. It's like,
1: dude, this is not, not. <laughs> what don't, the,
0: don't get yeah. it twisted, buddy. I didn't do this for but you. But still,
1: like, Vince was like, you know, thank you, thank you. And it's just like.
0: Yeah, I just don't think they knew how to put a bow on that no. present.
1: But still, it's it's a really, really cool segment.
0: It really is. Uh, my number three is the Mankind vignettes. Oh, yeah. Those were something. Uh, Mick Foley debuted um, early 1996. Uh, I don't know. Abort. Telling in 95. I remember seeing these vignettes before Monday Night Raw. And on Saturday, when they would do the Saturday or Sunday show, the weekend show, um, I would see these vignettes um, for mankind, and they creeped me the fuck out. Mick Foley was in a other mask. Um, he was dressed in his like torn up brown clothes in boiler rooms and basements and dark corners, and he would be rambling you know prattling on about how on the eighth day god created mankind and why would he do that why would he make me like this tortured human being and the one that i think everyone thinks of when they think of mcfoley is the rat where he's just he's just playing with the rat and he's telling a story and he's sitting in a dark corner but you never see his face it's always shrouded by like his hair or it's lit where everything is shadowed, but they would have shots in each of these vignettes where you would see his missing ear. And that always tripped me out as a kid, like this is, you know, it was a tortured psychopath thing they were going for. And it was legitimately scary yeah. for me.
1: And, like, because he would have, like, the, the outburst, too. And that was, like, it was very... Oh, yeah.
0: Like, it, was, it was
1: very calm. And, and I'm just just poor little boy. But then I don't know what saying. It's like, oh, wow. Like, you just... Yep. He went from, like, zero to, like, a hundred out the door. Yep. like, it was, like... And Mick Foley is actually one of my like top five wrestlers of all time mm-hmm. because of those early on like mankind, uh, you know, vignettes and stuff because like it really sucks you in yep. For for what was going yeah, on. Yeah, you're
0: you're bought in to whatever at that point because yeah. you're just like, this guy is insane and he was being billed as like not being able to feel any pain and to not um And he was set up to be the perfect foil for The Undertaker. And then he got paired up with Paul Bearer. And, like, before Mick Foley did that interview with JR, he, um, he was really dark and scary.
1: I felt so, like, hurt as a fan when I saw that Paul Bearer left. Taker, oh, like I actually, I was like, why would he do that? The
0: betrayal. What? I was
1: like, oh my god! And then I was like, like now as like a a wrestling fan, I'm like, okay, there, like there's a point to it, and it's like,
0: yeah, eventually you got to mix stuff up. But
1: still, like I was, I was like, but it's Paul Bear. It's like Paul Bear and Taker. It's like peanut butter and jelly, right? And, you know, you know, beer and chicken wings. Like it's like you just they're supposed it to go together. Yeah, yeah. and it's like to see like uh where. Mankind was taking the power of the Undertaker because of the urn, and yeah. it was just like,
0: yeah, they they made it into a whole thing, and like, Mick and Taker every time they got put back together, uh good stuff happened.
1: Oh my god! And so it's always and it's fun stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, because they weren't afraid to beat the shit out of each other either, so there was that part.
1: Yeah, Mick can uh, he can take a wallop.
0: Yeah, he can. He didn't like it too much, but he knew that that was what was going to make him money because he wasn't super athletic. Yeah. He said it himself. So what's your number two?
1: Yeah, um, well, real quick, before we uh, jump into my number two, let's do a quick little uh, little sponsorship spot there, shall we? We're back. <laughs> hey.
0: Hey.
1: Yowie, wowie. Yowie,
0: wowie. What's your number two?
1: So um, I'm going to go uh, kind of keep, keep in with that... Uh, and again, like I wouldn't really call it my number two. Like I would just call it the what What's on next? What's on next? There, Chet.
0: Well, okay. So go, moving um, on down the list. Yeah.
1: So I'm actually gonna go with kind of keeping with that same theme with uh, you know dragging people down into the ring
0: to the depths of hell.
1: And that's where I'm gonna go with this one. So my next one, I'm actually calling it Zack Ryder about gets his ass lit. So
0: uh Oh my god, Zack Ryder's included on the list. I, this is okay. new and unusual. Okay.
1: So I know that you guys here at the at the W R O are uh I am a big Zack Ryder fan. Like I like,
0: like I, blah, blah. No, I yeah. <laughs> Can
1: you edit that
0: please? Edit. Nope,
1: it's going in there.
0: <laughs> Alright, anyway, edit, edit, edit. Uh I like Zack Ryder just fine. Um, he's never bothered me one way or the other. Uh, I can't speak for John and Justine though.
1: Yeah. No, but I mean like the uh, granted like the, the whole like his gimmick and the, you know when he first kinda got going with the the, the, the
0: woo 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 it's Well like, he's he and Kurt Hawkins started out as Edgehead. So when yeah. Edge was still actively wrestling full time, he had Vicky Guerrero and then he had Hawkins and Ryder as like his little proteges. Yeah. To the point where Hawkins and Ryder had, were wearing super long hair, and they even painted on Edge's tattoos. Yeah. It's weird, but it's, they it's did it. It's
1: really funny. I mean, I like. And just the,
0: a reminder, kids, Zack Ryder's been with the company now for like mm, yeah. almost 15 years.
1: So, I actually, like, I do. The more I watch them, it's like the more I, I enjoy them. And it's like uh,
0: Broski's it,
1: fun it, uh, Yeah the Broski The Broski boot And everything is It's always a fun thing And like when He ended up winning The you know The little title At Wrestlemania I, I got I popped The I like, little title He won the
0: Intercontinental title
1: Okay well, The Intercontinental I mean like uh, he, he won the title So I mean it was uh, but for one day But still like It was really fun um, So Zack Ryder During the segment It's on uh, Monday Night Raw January 2nd uh, 2012, so the the setup is John Cena jumps up on Raw and he starts to give his you know New Year's resolution, mm. right? Well, then all of a sudden he gets interrupted by Kane, mm-hmm. and this is when Kane has removed his mask. It's about probably a little bit after where... You know, so he's got the clean shaved head, and he's, like, super creepy, and...
0: Yeah, uh, he's more like Cain the Stalker. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so he, so he's kind of got it after Cena. hmm So Cena turns around, and he's, like, doing the... I'm the good guy. I'm the, you know... Like, I'm going to stand up to evil. I'm going to be the, you know, the, the, the big man. And so... This is at the beginning of the show. And then at the end of the show, they're doing a six-man tag match. And it ends up being uh, Mark Henry, uh, Kane, and uh, Jack Swagger. Uh, for For those of you that are watching AEW, or that
0: Jake is... Jake Hager. Jack Hager. Jake Hager. Is it Jake or Jack? It's Jake. He's going by his real name. I'm going to call him J- J-H. Sure. Hager. <laughs> Hager.
1: So you have uh, Henry, Kane, and Swagger against uh, Cena, The at this point, the U.S. champ, Zack Ryder.
0: Yeah, that was
1: the thing. <laughs> like, he's actually U.S. champ. Hey,
0: man, what are you doing up on that fence? Hey, yeah, I'm just trying to get over.
1: <laughs> wow. Nice.
0: Long Island. Um, Long Island Ice Z (laughs) deep cut. Yeah.
1: And the big show. So it was also part of it. Now, uh, towards the match, like, so they had the the six man, uh, you know, kind of tag match going on. But then Kane decides that he's just going to just fuck off. He's like, you know what? Screw these two guys. I'm leaving. Hmm. And he just walks down the ramp back towards Gorilla, and that's it. Uh,. Mark Henry and, like, this is when Mark Henry, you know, he still has hair and he's just like, you know, that's what I do. Mm. That whole thing, which I fucking love Mark Henry. But, um, Mark Henry and Big Show are feuding at this time. And so... Again. They start beating the shit out of each other outside of the ring and get themselves counted out. So, Jack Swagger is having a handicap match with Cena... And Zack Ryder. And so he's got Swagger's got Ryder in his ankle lock. And it's putting a uh, like it's like, oh my god, like he could actually win like Swagger could win this whole thing. But then out of nowhere, Cena comes in, saves the day, hits him with his, you know
0: Hits him with the AA. Hit him
1: yeah, yeah. the AA. And then that you yeah, know the, the you can't see me, Bob's your uncle, show's over. But then out of nowhere, boom! Lights hit, you know, go down, and Cena like perks up. Kane's music hits, and all of a sudden flames start shooting up from the you know the the stage area. So Cena's like, "Screw this!" and like like writers holding his ankle like in the center of the ring, and like Cena runs down to the <laughs> runs down the ramp, and then all of a sudden you hear the crowd just like explode and then all of a sudden like you see like Zack Ryder like clawing and scraping because Kane has come up from the ring somehow I don't know how he got there and like what tunnel he took but it's like you saw him walk down the ramp yeah and then all of a sudden boom he's coming up from the, the the ring and like but the face Zack Ryder's giving is like priceless just like terror and he's just like cuz he does not want to yeah, go
0: yeah he's in a Friday the 13th movie and he didn't expect to be in one
1: so like he starts to get dragged down but then all of a sudden Cena runs back down and then Kane gets up hits Cena in the face and then turns around and starts to go at, go to town on on Ryder but then he goes to like he goes back down in the hole to drag him and as he's dragging it, Cena comes up, saves the day again, grabs Ryder, and both men like he drags both men back to one of the corners. But Kane goes down in the hole. Here's the my favorite part about it is that so everyone's just kind of like both the crowd, well, the crowd, and then Cena and Ryder. Cena and Ryder are sitting in the corner like, man, you okay? You okay? And they're looking at the hole, and all of a sudden, this massive fireball like bursts up from like I don't know how this like anybody like survived or like the ring was still up because like that thing was just it was huge it was like a jet engine just bursting up from the this little hole and then like you see the smoke come up and I'm like that's fucking epic but just seeing like Cena and Ryder's expressions where they're just like that's a really big flame and we're really close it's just like
0: And that kids was the last time Zack Ryder did anything of importance. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So but I was just like, holy shit, like that was really years ago. Yeah. (laughs) But I was like, man, like that was really, really I mean like for the production value or it's like just
0: But it was something out of like a Friday the thirteenth kind of movie. And, you know, drag me to hell. That that sort of deal. And
1: that they also did the red lighting for that scene, and that's why I say that it's been done before. It's just, but it wasn't a match. A match. and that's that's where. Well, they they've done matches before, but like that was a segment where there was just like
0: that's fine for yeah. that. I don't want to watch it through a twenty minute match. That's no. the difference.
1: So, but I was like, that was really really neat.
0: My number two is Gangrel and the Brood. Um. All right. Cool. Both versions of the Brood, uh, both the Edge and Christian version and the Hardys, kinda. Um, Gangrel went full bore vampire gimmick yeah. in 1998, I think this was. So
1: did I can't I can never remember. I know Gangrel did the, the the fangs and the blood and stuff like that. Did uh, Edge and Christian never did the fangs? Did they? No, I don't remember if they did or not. Christian
0: did the puffy shirt.
1: Oh yeah, they did all the they did the puffy shirt. But I was listening no no to-
0: just Christian. I just didn't have time for that. <laughs> he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He wore the big black hero coat, though, um, like the Matrix coat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Christian really leaned into it, and he committed. He had a matching puffy shirt with Gangrel. <laughs> but they, the whole brood thing, like, it was so fun. They, would, uh, they had, like, the really creepy music. It had a really good groove. I think the New Jersey Devils still use the music. Yeah. To yeah, this day, do. is their entrance their entrance it's music? pretty.
1: It's pretty I, don't, I don't know if they still use it today, but I know that for, for a long while there, they were, time just,
0: they were using just, it. Like,
1: and it's a good jam. Like, yeah. it's just like it gets you going. Yeah, so. it does. And
0: that, so the Devils were using it as their entrance music. So they would have like the red light, and they would come up through a ring of fire. And Gangrel was doing the vampire thing. Like he had the little like snap on fangs. He had the cup of blood. Um, they would use blood to, uh, like uh, Gangrel would spit it on people. Um, there was, yeah, like they did... he
1: kind of like, a, like, a, was it the Mr. Fuji thing with, like, the, the salt or, like, the... Uh, um,
0: it was, um, like, the Great Kabuki. There, he, he yeah, did there it the, is. With yeah. the green, with the green mist, he well,
1: would... Well, uh, the, they would have the green mist, but then the, who else would, uh, use the salts? Um... That was Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji, yeah. Yeah, so, he would use the salt. Yeah. Um,
0: they d- would drop blood on whoever they were gonna end up feuding with.
1: Actually, they did it to, to Boss Man, where they, it was Big Boss Man, yeah
0: block, just... he had Lights ke-
1: came on? Buckets of blood.
0: He had his carry moment. It was it was really messy, and I bet it was really sticky. Um, <laughs> Those but, poor fans. <laughs> but they used but they used a lot of the vampire imagery, and then eventually Edge and Christian would part ways um, with Gangrel, and then Gangrel, after the Hardy Boys parted ways with Michael Hayes, brought uh, he brought them in as the new brood, and um, same kind of idea. I don't think it was. It didn't last very long, um, that I remember, because the Hardys started to get in with um, Edge and Christian, and then the Dudleys had come in shortly after that. But yeah. the the whole gangrel to this day is still rocking that vampire gimmick. Yeah, he is. He really is. Even though he's gotten kind of fat, and out shaved, yeah. But know, like, there, it's I...
1: it's so weird because it's like with the with the Brood and Ed, with Edge and Christian, it was like I believed it to be where it was. Edge and Christian were just followers of the vampire. Like, so, yeah. th- like, that's, it was just their...
0: He was, they were supposed to be kind of like his Renfields yes, kind of a thing. That, yeah, exactly. Edge had come in first, um, for, and then a little bit later, maybe a month or two later, Christian had come in. Yeah. So, it was just Edge as, like, Gangrel's, like, Sentinel, and then he, they brought Christian yeah. in with the um, shirt.
1: But then, like, with the Hardys, because the Hardy Boys were already kind of established. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when they brought him in as the new brood, is like...
0: It was Gangrel trying to get... Because Edge and Christian had broken off. And yeah. And he was using... Gangrel was supposed to be using the Hardys to, like, get back at them. And so he was using them to retaliate.
1: See, though, if, if I was to be Gangrel to really make that brood thing, like, pop off, I wouldn't have just got just the Hardy boys. I would have gone after, like female wrestlers and I would have gotten like I would have started like this like faction of, of
0: Vampire Stable just
1: Vampire Stable
0: but it was um yeah it was really cool it had a little bit of a uh it was a little bit sexy it was a little bit it was a little dark it was a little kind of it was a little goofy in some places cause
1: but damn they had a really really cool entrance it
0: was so neat and um they they really utilized that blood every chance they could get which was probably the best part of the whole thing was just the poor guys would turn around and the next thing, you know, they'd be covered in caro syrup and red food coloring. Um, so here we go. Number one.
1: So my number one, uh, my favorite moment was the, it was the buried alive match with undertaker and mankind. So, that Buried Alive match, what I call it the, the Resurrection of, of Undertaker. It was the uh, In Your House Buried Alive at, on October 20th, 1996. And the concept for this match, much like the casket matches, is fucking insane. It's so
0: over the top, dude.
1: Like, okay, so the gimmick is that... Not only it's like the only way to win is to get the other man in a six foot hole yep. and bury him. Yep. That's your that's your count. So uh they have like this giant mound of dirt that's in like on like at the stage and they have this tombstone that's got you know, in your house, like buried alive, and it's got the picture of like Undertaker and yeah, uh, and 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 mankind on. on and it's got know,
0: and it has a pay-per-view yeah, and the pay per view
1: date. Yeah, the pay per view date. And so I was like, and they got the, the the headstone up there, and then they got this big mound, and then they actually have like this grave that's already dug out, and they keep like focusing down in the hole, and they're like. The the announcers are you know constantly are like talking about the like during all the other matches they keep mentioning about this match yeah and like they were
0: really selling it
1: they were really really good. so once they actually got into it uh it starts off where it's almost like that just a no holds bar where man again as mankind and Undertaker do they just beat the sh- lever loving shit out of each other yep. but the thing that like towards the end of it. What killed me was that um, so Mankind couldn't do alone and he ended up uh, other people came out to mm-hmm. help him. Uh, I think it was what like Goldust came out um, There was an
0: executioner that was there
1: Which I don't know who The nameless,
0: the nameless ghoul. I don't yeah, know who he was I
1: don't know if he was supposed to be set up for something later and never panned out or No I think just, he was
0: just he was supposed to be sort of around for the like just sort of a mascot for the pay-per-view. I don't know um, that's a really good question, actually. I have no clue. Um, I'll,
1: have to, I'll have to really see if I can look that dig up. Dig around a little but, bit. Yeah.
0: Paul Bearer was there, because you, you could hear him wailing, Yes! Cover him! bury him, Dean! Yeah. Cover him!
1: Like, uh, didn't he have, like, the blonde hair? There's, no, no, he was still doing the No, he still dark had dark hair.
0: hair. Um, Yeah, and Goldust had come out for some reason help. I don't know why Goldust was there. I don't remember, recall him and Undertaker feuding at that point, but sure, why not? Um... Yeah, so there was like three guys in Paul Bearer supervising uh, to bury Undertaker for that one. But, speaking of carry moments, Taker somehow, someway, managed to upright himself and pushed his hand through the dirt.
1: That's one of my favorite little little gimmicks.
0: I don't know how they pulled so, it off.
1: So the the setup though for that is like not only that I I, I don't know how they do it, and I gotta like I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole and try and fi- figure this out. I don't
0: know, man. I don't the think special, David. No, I don't think David Copperfield. No, figured it out.
1: the the effects with the lights, like the 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 uh, like the lightning mm-hmm. that comes from like different areas. Like Taker does it quite often, and I don't know how they do it. Where it's like he'll like raises hands up and lightning shoots out. Like there was one. um, Oh, he
0: Palpatines.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like he he, he Palpatines. Perfect. I love you. You're my wife. Nerd. Um, So, but like there was a, a, I think it was a, it was right after Kurt Angle won a title. And I think it was after a Royal Rumble one year. So it was right at the end of the show angle wins and then all of a sudden taker's music hits taker comes out and he's all he does is stand at the end of the ramp he lifts his hands up lightning like palpatine you know lightning shoots out from his fingers and all of a sudden you hear like the crash angles shit in his pants and all of a sudden the ring falls apart like you like
0: yeah, someone like someone pulled a pin.
1: Yeah, people have been wrestling on that thing all night. Thirty men were in that ring earlier, and all of a sudden it was just like this thing just decided to like collapse like the big show and Lesnar just like did a big slam on it. But it was just like it was really like again, the really cool effect. So the lightning for a buried alive, a lightning bolt strikes the mound. And then that's when yeah. Taker's hand comes up and like up. It resuscitated I'm like, him. I'm like, holy sh! Like I, as a kid, I I was like, yeah! Like I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was, like, he's alive! I had like my total like you know Victor you know I can see know, a ten I can see
0: a ten year old lunchbox like full of I was just like shit.
1: he's he's alive! I mean I'm like at this point. I'm having a hard time because I'm a Mankind fan and an Undertaker fan, but so I was like, I, I don't know who to like. I was like, whoever wins, I guess I'm good with. Like, it's like that's cool, but then when Taker like right, rises from the grave, I'm like, mother. I was like, and then I was like, wait, does that mean that he loses? Like, was the match al- still gone? Or no, is it he, like-
0: he was buried alive? So that means he okay. lost. Yeah. No,
1: but that was like, but he kind of came out, so it wasn't like it was like finished, but it was like, yeah. But yeah, I was just like, I was like, oh, that was. Epic. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, my number one um, <clears throat> wasn't in the ring. Oh. Uh, my number one, or there's actually two parts to it. Of the most horror, I don't necessarily want to call them scary, but definitely the most horror-oriented uh, events in wrestling were the uh, double murder and suicide of Crispin Juan, his family, and uh, the murder of Bruiser Brody
1: oh wow you're going deep with that I was going with some fun stuff but no. wow
0: um, because both of their, this, both of them they're straight out of a horror movie uh, Bruiser Brody okay so Bruiser Brody um, if you want to get I'm going to give like the Cliff Notes version of what happened to him but if you want to get the full version of what happened to him um, jump on Amazon Prime or wherever it streams Viceland did their Dark Side of the Ring uh, miniseries last year uh, they have season two coming up soon, um, but the story of Bruiser Brody's murder is one of the episodes. So the quickie version of it is Bruiser Brody was wrestling in Puerto Rico. He was having some issues with one of the Puerto Rican local wrestlers, um, I forget his name, and Carlos Colon, who was running the promotion. Um, he had some issues. At the time, uh, Tony Atlas, Abdul the Butcher, and Dutch Mantel were all working the territory with him as well. Well the wrestler he was having uh the brody was having an issue with had come in the locker room clears out he stabs he stabs brody right there um and off he goes um tony atlas and dutch mantel are like the first two guys on the scene and essentially brody dies in tony atlas's arms they were really good friends at the time um and uh because dutch mantel was one of the witnesses um he stuck as close to it as he could well i don't know what kind of gangster voodoo shit they had going on down in puerto rico in the 80s but uh there was a rushed trial um mantel and atlas were both supposed to be called as witnesses at this point like mantel had gone back home to tennessee for a bit and he was supposed to receive his subpoena well Mm. he had gotten word of the verdict of the trial and uh The man who murdered Bruiser Brody got off. Um, It was a rush trial. Evidence was bungled. It was just a bad scene all around. And uh, so Brody left behind a widow. And uh, I think his son was five years old at the time. The very next day after Dutch gets the news, his subpoena comes in the mail. Or his summons. So the Brody thing was eerie. It was weird. Um, in, In the documentary, they... the the witnesses were talking about how that Brody seemed to kind of know something was going to happen. I don't think he knew quite to what extent, but, uh, he was stabbed in full view of witnesses, bled out. And probably the worst part about the whole thing is is how shitty everybody was involved except for Tony Atlas and Dutch Mantel because they didn't want to lose their payday. They all lied. All lied right through their teeth. Um, Saying uh, Carlos Colon had nothing to do with it. No, the the uh, the man who stabbed him didn't actually stab him. They lied. They lied to cops. They lied to attorneys. They lied to everybody. The Chris Benoit uh, event was it happened t- about twenty years later, two thousand seven. I think no, or a little little more than that. Bro- Brody was in the eighties. <clears throat> it was two thousand seven for Chris Benoit. Word came, his son had seven-year-old son had been suffocated his wife had been strangled and benoit had hung himself um there's a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding that whole thing saying that kevin sullivan was involved because of um it was benoit was married to sullivan's ex-wife the whole thing reads like something out of uh a choose your own adventure scary story kind of deal
1: and it's like it's one of those things where it's like WWE is is wiped their hands. They, like they're like, we don't even want to be near this yeah, thing. Um,
0: all of his matches still exist on the network, but they, they, his name is never mentioned. He's and never gonna go into the Hall of Fame.
1: It is super creepy because I, like, I am a Ben Benoit fan. Like, I like when I watch like his old matches. I'm like, I really enjoy. Oh, he was
0: amazing going all the way back incredible. to his Stampede days in Calgary. Yeah. Um.
1: But it's, like, when you hear – it. it's weird that now, because, like, if you see him on the screen or you, like, you kind of wince. It's eerie. Yeah, because it's, like, I know what you did.
0: And it's uncomfortable. Um, Over the years, over the years, people have talked about – you know, and I'm talking, like, investigators have talked about – it was likely CTE. Um, The medical examiner who did his autopsy said that he had the brain of, like – an 80-year-old man. Um, it was Swiss cheese. He might have been experiencing early stages of dementia. He was only um, 40. He was very young. Um, but he did that flying headbutt off the top rope. Yeah. And so his- Yeah, there's they, there was a lot of concussion. There was speculation that his brains had been scrambled. Um, there was speculation of steroid use, um, but I think the toxicology reports had come back that there was nothing in his system. Um, but that one still persists. Um, the, yeah, so they, it's been attributed to roid rage. It's been attributed to CTE. It's weird. Um, I actually kind of think there might be a kernel of truth to the conspiracy surrounding, um, Kevin Sullivan. It's really fascinating. Um, fall down that rabbit hole. I'm not going to describe Really, any of it here because yeah, we don't
1: we don't have a whole another podcast.
0: To do. I, I I don't I don't got all day. I don't think any of you do either. But if you get a chance to, I
1: got Call of Duty to play.
0: Start start fiddling around <laughs> with the uh, the Kevin Sullivan conspiracy. Yeah. It's amazing, and some of it you you sit there and you're like, this might actually have been yeah. the case. I don't know, um, but they're both tragedies. But the the details surrounding them are what makes them straight out of a horror movie. Um, it's not like Owen Hart, who, his death was tragic, but it was very clearly an accident. Yeah,
1: like, it was not supposed to... Happen.
0: Yeah, it was... Th- this, these two, uh, Benoit and Brody, uh, both of them, it, it's so hard to put into words. <clears throat> it really is. You've got to go read about them, go see the Viceland uh, episode on Brody yourselves to to really get the full effect of it but it's like these two men were potentially one of them for sure but the cold blood there was murder all over this and it it's just like it got pulled murder. out of it got pulled out of a horror movie or some wicked front page like your murderer next door kind of shit like it's really it's really hard to wrap your brain around. And yeah. uh, those two are probably two of the scariest moments in wrestling.
1: Yeah. Um, so real quick, I want to go... With, well, not real quick, but uh, I think we can get the go home on this. But I wanted to do this with you. Oh. What is... I'm going to go with your top horror wrestler. Who is your favorite? I know we spoke about you know Mankind and, and Bray Wyatt, but it's like your end-all, be-all, number one... Who is your your go-home guy for your top favorite wrestler?
0: Naked Midian.
1: Holy shit. That is the scariest goddamn thing. Oh, my God. Like I wasn't even thinking of that. Why would you even do that to me, Meg?
0: Because that reaction was worth it. Yikes. No, no, it's not Naked Midian in his fanny pack. Uh
1: (laughs) God. I forgot that he did that. He
0: did. He really did.
1: Griminy! cripes.
0: Go bleach your eyes. I'll wait.
1: <laughs> you, know, you no. can't bleach a memory.
0: No, you can't. It's burned in there forever. Um good luck trying though. No, not Naked Midian. Uh the It's a damn imp-
1: good one, though.
0: Horror <laughs> character. Who's your favorite Batman? Andy Dick.
1: Andy Dick.
0: <laughs> who's the worst Batman? That was it. No, uh,
1: that was the best Batman.
0: Yeah. Who who's the best actor to play Batman? Andy Dick. WHAT?! <laughs> he just I get you with those all the time. I love it. <laughs> now um, it's a
1: running gag in our household. Yeah. Where it's like Andy Dick for everything.
0: Right. Uh, no. That's a toughie. Um, I think the obvious one is Undertaker. Uh, mostly because of the longevity there. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anyone in any other promotions that I really li- Actually, I really like the stable um, in TNA. Uh, Rosemary was in. We didn't talk about them. And,
1: uh... Well, this, this is just WWE. Just
0: WWE? Yeah. Okay, well,
1: fine. Yeah, no, I mean, because there's, like, a whole bunch of, like,
0: uh... Oh, they're everywhere. There's so yeah, many.
1: there's... They're all... Um, of, like, like uh, The Abyss is very much, like, a Mankind Undertaker. Yeah, like. yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but, I mean,
1: like, it, it was awesome. Like, I thought it was fun.
0: Yeah. Uh... I mean, Undertaker for sure. But I feel like that shouldn't be my answer because it's, like, duh. <laughs> um... Got that low-hanging fruit. For real. That seems to be the theme of the episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't reach for the low-hanging fruit. Mankind, those that early, that first year of Mankind's run, really, it skeeved me out when I was a kid. Everything from the vignettes to the music. He had the, the symphony music at the beginning, and then he had the piano lullaby at the end. It was like the ramp-up, and then he had the piano music as his... Leaving music, and it was to calm him down. Um, and you
1: know what's awesome is that I, as a producer for both the Creep and a Real Horror Cast and the Wrestling Ramble on show, I have done that same thing because of Mick Foley for our shows. Yes, if you listen to the show, the opening, you have one set of music, and then the uh, at the end there's a different set of music yeah, so the for int- that same thing.
0: The intro and the outro um, he had that going for him both both themes were really creepy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um even the piano lullaby at the end it was still a little like
1: Yeah, like it it, did, it was very uncomfortable. Um, um
0: yeah, the the stuff with the rats, the way he would talk. Um the interview with JR was really unsettling. Um even though it was all truth. He just told his story, but he yeah. told it as mankind not as Mick and um, the ones with Kane and The Undertaker and everything else and Paul Bearer like Mankind really until he started fucking it up with The Three Faces of Foley like Mankind was legitimately spooky see
1: I actually really enjoyed that
0: I'm not saying I didn't enjoy The Three Faces of Foley I'm just saying that Mankind it, got it re- lost it. It lost its edge real hard.
1: And when he um, started, because it, it started going into like mankind, where like corporate mankind, and it was like where he's trying to like he was wearing like the just the button up shirt. <laughs> it was just all disheveled. he He's like still yeah. mankind, but it was just like he, it's
0: like he picked it up off his bedroom floor and sniffed it and went that's fine. Yeah, and but put it on.
1: and then like the the gimmick that he did with uh, you know the rock and you know the rock and sock the yeah. rock and sock. And it was just kind of like. That whole gimmick of the evil mankind—it was... It was
0: left so far behind, but that run in '96 into pretty much everything pre Hell in the Cell um, was really spooky because I think he was still doing the corporate mankind thing because he was definitely wearing the button up and the, the tie for the Hell the, Hell, the Cell match, um, but yeah. Um, Mankind, I
1: think, hands down is probably my favorite. What about you? Cool. So, uh, I'm also going, like, all right, so I think it is safe to say that Undertaker is our rain and blood slayer. Like, it's. Taker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taker is it because, of, like, no matter what Taker has done, still to this day, like, anytime, like, that music hits, even though we, like, you, me, John, everyone keeps saying it's, like, just. Stay away! Like you do not need to do another match. Yeah, it's like that. Like even though the mu- when that music hits, I still get like goosebumps. I get goosebumpy. I get like excited, and I'm like, "Yes, it's Taker." Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't want to see. I don't want to see broke down Taker. Um, yeah, I love it... him. I forever do. And this is coming. That's coming. It's coming from a place of love. But yeah,
1: I don't... and and I love that. Uh, the the Stone Cold show that he just that did recently. Um, and, like where he actually oh, yeah. like, where, he, where he sits down as, as Mark and he's like talking like for like the first time ever. Like and actually like have like a legit interview and it's just like
0: it's him having a beer with a friend well, a bo- splitting a bottle of Jack Daniels Jack with a Jack Daniel,
1: yeah. But I mean it was just like like that was really cool to see. But yeah, Taker is like the end all be all like awesome, like horror. Like he's got so many, you know, moments. However, I'm gonna say that my my Favorite to watch, I do love mankind, but Kane. Kane was my other was my was my next go-to guy, and the reason that I loved Kane so much was his entrance into the WWE. And oh, it, the,
0: that it, um, bad blood. And yeah. bad
1: blood. So uh, Taker is like like for like weeks now. Paul Bearers kind of. Showing up and fucking with Undertaker, and you know, saying like, and he keeps mentioning Kane. Kane, you know, is here. Like he like mentioned his brother, and Taker is just kind of like, holy shit! Like the storyline itself is like, as I mentioned before,
0: oh, it was nuts. Like the, <laughs> he, he came from Taker came from a family of morticians, and he had his little brother, and he.
1: And there was a, a, a fire.
0: He set the, like, Take oh, set oh, the fire. Taker set the fire.
1: That's right, yeah. Taker
0: set the fire, and somehow Kane was trapped in the basement or something, and he got burned alive, and his Taker ended up killing his parents. It's so convoluted, you guys. It gets crazy. Yeah. But was, that's uh, long uh, and the short of, of where that, that came from. Yeah. Um, but do the, we need to talk about Katie Pig? <laughs> no,
1: no, but there's like, so, but then all of a sudden, like, it was like a, a bad blood. Uh, there's like it, takers having a, a cage match and so the whole they keep uh the the announcers keep mentioning like oh like you know there's no force that can you know break through that that cage and also like they're making a, a point to say that this cage nope. is really strong no and, one's
0: and, getting in no one's getting yeah yeah
1: it's like the only way you can uh, be let out is like you know by one of the referees or it's like i think I don't know if the the top was open. I don't know if they were doing like the hell in the cell style. No, things. it was closed in. It was closed. Okay. So, um, but yeah, but then all of a sudden like the music uh, the lights go down and like that organ music pops up. Everyone's just like freaking out. The red lights come up, but then all of a sudden Kane walks out and he's like he looks fucking awesome. And it's just like I love the mask. I love this He's just, lit like, well.
0: The camera angles are amazing. They look make him look larger than life. Yeah, and he rips. Oh
1: my God. The door
0: off its hinges. I
1: was like, you like, and I mean, he just like thrashes that thing open, and I'm just like, well, the that, monster's coming to get me. Yep, yeah, that I'm fucked. <laughs> like, it's just like you look at Jason Voorhees and you're like, eh, just go ahead and just get it over with. Like, it's just like it's you kind
0: of lean forward. You're yeah, like, I know it's just, happening. It's happening. Yeah.
1: Um, but like, so, but then he like stands right in front of Taker. And just the face Taker gives where he's just like, I can't believe. And then I go, I'm watching wrestling. Yes. And I'm like, this invested into the storyline. I'm like, I was like, oh, like, it's just the whole thing of like, oh, it's his brother. And he's just like, oh, and then like, and then they're both two supernatural powers where like, Taker can have lightning coming from his fingertips and like, or, or, like, he rises Kane, from the Kane dead. Cain
0: controls fire. Yeah,
1: and it's, like, that was the thing. is like, Cain, like, raises, does his arm raise, and then swoops down, and all of a sudden the, the ring posts light up. With, I was, like, it's fucking amazing. It's so metal. So good. And then, uh, but the one thing that, like, I like was right after Cain, like, took off the mask um, is when I, I kind of felt like he really went into that horror... Like element, like he was yeah. he was there with Paul Bearer and things like that, but
0: no, but he went more of the evil. E- the evil. He was the silent psychopath. Yeah, he was scarier that way because it was just sort of he became more of just a presence. I don't know. I don't know how he did it with the mask coming off, but somehow it worked.
1: Yeah, when he took the mask off, like, it became, like, more sinister. And, and the thing that
0: cracks me up about Kane is, like, if you've ever heard Glenn Jacobs, the man speak. Oh, my speech, God. I
1: love Glenn Jacobs. He
0: is so articulate and he is so intelligent. and He's a good
1: fucking guy. He's
0: well read and he seems, like, kind of wholesome.
1: And, yeah, and uh, we mentioned Mayor.
0: At mayor, yeah. Mayor, mayor
1: Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. So, like he's a mayor. I was like, how cool would that be to sit there and go, Hey, my boss could beat you up.
0: <laughs> it's yep. Just like, yep. So it's it's so strange when it. you're like and he's very like economically and politically minded, like he's very, very intelligent, he's very, very bright. And then you have he's playing a, the you know, embodiment of evil, the the demon, that kind of thing. Uh yeah, it just it doesn't It's hard once you hear Glenn Jacobs, because I've watched, like, he did a town hall uh, speech in, I think it was in New Hampshire, on on the Austrian economics. And, like, it's really hard to go back to seeing him as Kane after that, because, like, he gave this 45-minute, I watched the whole thing, this 45-minute speech on uh, the principles of Austrian economics and why it needed to be utilized here in the United States or something like that. And it was just, cause it was several years ago I saw it, and I was just sitting there was my jaw half on the floor. And then the next week I see him on Monday Night Raw, and I'm like, uh... Yeah. I
1: was like, and I love that. But, like, there was one segment, and poor JR.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: There was, like, he always kind of get like, whenever you put him in, like, in front of somebody crazy, like, it's just...
0: He gets the crazy. Yeah.
1: And, like, so it's like Mick Foley, like, attacked him, but Kane, I felt got him the worst so you could tell jr was just uncomfortable to be in, in the same room with kane because he's like i don't i don't like as far as the character goes he's like i don't know what's gonna happen and then like it turns out that
0: but for some reason there's this random gas can on the table <laughs> it's like
1: that because that's comfortable
0: it's i mean just- it's it belongs there like the lamp the couch, the plant, <laughs> the FICA. Yeah, it's just <laughs>
1: it's, like, it's like it's just sitting there and then all of a sudden like so later on like as the, like the interview escalates and then uh, Kane grabs JR by the throat and then throws him down and then pours gasoline on his ass and then lights him on fire and I'm like that's and, and then and just and like stands over him and just laughs and I was like that's pretty horror movie like
0: yeah, it's pretty sinister. Like,
1: that's pretty bad. And then, like, there's, like, all types of stuff where he's just, like, tormenting. Because he was doing, like, uh, he was at that part where, with like, ECW was coming in. And, like, they uh-huh. were doing, like, the, it was the WWE, ECW, and WCW. Oh, the Invasion. The Invasion. And so, but he was a part of the ECW portion. And there was stuff with, like, uh, him, Big Show, where they were doing, like. Um, no,
0: that wasn't the Invasion. That was they trying to reboot ECW.
1: That that's what I mean. I, I yeah, thought that, was that like wasn't their, the invasion. That
0: was like five or six years later.
1: Yeah, but he was a part of the ECW uh, clan, and it was just like
0: yeah, like
1: they like that was several years. They, after they would the try act. to get him to do a lot of like the backyard brawl type matches, and like he was throwing people through uh, like pane glass windows, and yeah, it was all silliness. Um, but I mean, like there's like but he did a lot of that, but it like never. It's like there was that like the rendition of Kane, but he never lost that thing. Even like with the stuff with like him and Daniel Bryan and the Oh,
0: Team Hell No was team great. Team
1: Hell No was amazing. That was
0: not horror related at all, but it was so no, good. No,
1: but it was still like it was really good, but I'm it,
0: the tag team champions.
1: But I, I like that too, where it's like
0: Well the the best part about that is you get a full You get a full recap of the entire Kane history during one of those Dr. <laughs> yeah. Shelby sit downs those group therapy sessions and it's like Daniel, Dr. Shelby, he's talking to Daniel Bryan and he's like, Oh, tell me about your anger issues. And Brian's like, there's nothing wrong with me. And then Kane, he's like, well, I, I have something to talk about. And he breaks into the full somehow like like,
1: from the beginning where he like from my brother tried to
0: burn me alive all the way up there. He's like, and never mind what happened to my ex girlfriend and talking about the Katie Vick thing. And then he was like, he just kept going and going all the way up to like, like, what? You just summed up like he, he, 15 years in like five minutes. Yeah. And great. The, and then
1: the great thing is, like, he turned, the camera turns to Dr. Shelf and he's just like terrified. He's like, I don't know how to answer that. And it's like, what do I do with this? It's like.
0: <laughs> and Kane just sits there smiling like Yeah, realistic. he's just like,
1: he's like super happy. It's just like a. Uh, like a campfire story it's yeah. like or like uh, we just sat down for some coffee and i just told you like it's that you ca- just told like,
0: you just told me what what you've been up to lately yeah, and yeah. It, it,
1: like it was just like a matter of fact kind of storytelling yeah. but it was just this horrible horrible yeah. things that job's happened
0: great him. kids are fine yeah yeah fine.
1: but it was just like it's it, but and then he uh, as he ends up with a smile because of, of like the horrible things he's like i, I had fun it's good and
0: yeah Alright, guys, that wraps it up for this episode of Wrestling Ramble On and uh, Creeping It Real, the crossover. Um, join the Wrestling Ramble On crew, myself, John, and Justine every Wednesday. Uh, subscribe <clears throat> to Get Us in Your Favorite Podcatcher. Uh, like, comment, uh, five star reviews are always appreciated on iTunes. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestling Ramble On um, if you have any ideas, show ideas, or things you'd like to hear us uh, cover. Recap, um, watch along, whatever. Um, you can e- email us at Megan John at gmail.com or just private message us on either of the social media platforms, and uh, you can join Lunchbox and I on Creeping It Real.
1: Yeah, yeah. I might, uh, I might join you guys on here for a couple of every now and then little run-ins, and uh, just as a sideshow, Lunchbox. But yeah, with the the Creeping It Real, like you could always find us. What was it every Tuesday?
0: Every Tuesday. If you're every subscribed, we'll t- drop in your favorite podcatcher When you wake up Tuesday morning, there we'll yeah. be.
1: But uh, you can always find, uh, or, you know, contact us at, uh, at creepin' at real. C M at gmail.com. Uh, That's or R
0: E E L as a movie reel.
1: Exactly. And uh, you can also get us at Instagram at both creeping at real and uh, Facebook creepin' real. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I pretty much got my phone on me, so you can always, same thing, you got suggestions for horror movies, things to watch, you know, do the damn thing, and, and you know, get to chatting with us. I'm a chatty Cathy, so, I like to, I like to talk, so, but yeah. yeah we'll talk. we'll talk, we'll do, we'll discuss. Barbara.
0: Also, find all of our Creepin' It Real merch at creepinitreal.redbubble.com. Yeah, um, I do merch, guys. All designs are one of a kind, made by uh, Lunchbox. He, I think, we're up to like fifteen designs. You can get them on stickers, mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, bags, um, the works. You name it, Red Bubbles probably got it. Uh, they don't have underwear yet, though, for some reason. I
1: think they're they're getting cr- started on it. So
0: there's no creepy underwear, but. Mm. I just made myself upset. <laughs> there's no creeping real underwear yet, but hopefully oh, soon... Oh, there's socks. There are socks. You can get some... Nice creepy- socks, too. Creepy socks. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we say No, bye? I
1: mean, this is definitely fun, and uh, I would uh, like to maybe try and do, like, some other, like, crossover where... Because I know uh, the John, or, you know, the John, like, you... The he,
0: there's mean? only one of him. There's
1: the only one. Do
0: you but, hear that, John? There's only one of you. <laughs>
1: but no, oh, that's another compliment. That's what number eight going no, on? No, no, no.
0: That's a sigh of relief. Okay. Thank okay. God, there's only one of him. So,
1: but uh, <laughs> oh, there it is. Um, but yeah, no. But it's like I know that he wanted to do the stuff, and so we might do like another crossover where you know, join. Yeah, you know, he'll join us and uh, as a guest spot. But it's like, yeah, I'd definitely like to come back and maybe do. We're some We're just gonna other, have
0: to make it the Ramble on Podcast Network at this point.
1: <laughs> maybe I don't know so yeah but I think uh, uh, that'd be a lot of fun but again still catch us on Instagram Facebook and
0: etc and so forth
1: do do the damn thing and this is a lot of fun
0: it was super fun glad we got to talk about horror movies and wrestling all in one show word I feel super nerdy alright guys till next week I've been Meg
1: I've been Lunchbox
0: and we'll catch you then